Welcome to Cars, Trucks, and Bucks on TalkZone.com, the show that's dedicated to saving you money on buying and owning a vehicle. Now, here's your host, Rick Popley. Welcome to Cars, Trucks, and Bucks, where each week we help you make smarter choices about buying and owning a vehicle and save money. Hello, everyone. I'm Rick Popley, your host and proprietor. Glad you can join us. Have you experienced gas pains lately? No, not the kind you get from bad cooking. I'm talking about the gas pains you get from paying higher prices at the pump. Gas prices have climbed steadily since early February to a national average of three fifty-two a gallon for regular unleaded. That is according to GasBuddy.com, a website that tracks pump prices from around the country and posts the lowest prices by cities and zip codes a valuable service that helps users find the cheapest gas in their area. We will be joined in the first half of today's show by Patrick DeHaan, a senior petroleum analyst for GasBuddy.com. He will explain why gas prices have shot up in recent weeks and when they might start to come down. You can't control the price of gas, but to some extent you can control how much gas you use. In the second half of the show, We will talk with Bob Weber, a certified master automobile mechanic and longtime automotive journalist. Bob will discuss what you can do to improve your fuel economy and other ways to save money. But before we start this high-octane discussion, here is this week's auto news you might be able to use. Nearly one-third of new vehicles purchased these days are SUVs. The majority are car-based compact and mid-size models, commonly referred to as crossover SUVs. Because they are so popular, they tend to have higher resale value than passenger cars. The NADA Used Car Guide looked at three-year-old SUVs from the 2011 model year to see which ones had the highest trade-in value compared to their original suggested retail price. Among compact SUVs, the Honda Element had the highest trade-in value, 74% of its original price. That is interesting because Honda discontinued the Element after the 2011 model year. The Toyota FJ Cruiser, a low-volume model suited for off-road driving, had the second highest trade-in value among compact SUVs, 70%. It was followed by the Subaru Forester, and the Nissan Juke. Among midsize SUVs, the Toyota 4Runner had the highest trade-in value after three years, 80% of its original MSRP. The Toyota Highlander was next at 66%, followed by the Ford Explorer and the Honda Pilot. That, according to the NADA Used Car Guide. Toyota will unveil an updated version of the Camry sedan on April 16th at the New York Auto Show. Toyota has not said what changes it will make on the 2015 Camry, but auto industry analysts expect that one area that will receive a lot of attention is safety. The current model did not perform as well as other midsize sedans in a crash test conducted by the Insurance Institute for Highway Safety. The Camry was rated acceptable in that crash test, but other midsize sedans, including the Honda Accord, Ford Fusion, and Subaru Legacy, performed better, and those other sedans received a higher overall safety rating than the Camry. The Camry has been the best-selling passenger car in the U.S. for several years, and the current version was introduced as a 2012 model. Cars such as the Camry normally have a product life cycle of five years, and they typically receive some styling changes and new features for the fourth year of that cycle. However, it is unusual for those mid-cycle changes to be revealed at a major auto show such as New York's. So the 2015 Camry may get more dramatic improvements than is typical. What are some of the best-selling books that never get read? Owner's manuals for new cars and trucks. Ford sold more than half a million F-150 pickup trucks last year, and Toyota sold more than 400,000 Camrys, and each one came with an owner's manual. 
That would put those books on the New York Times bestseller list. Unfortunately, most of them are still sealed in the shrink wrap they came in. All that information about how to use your stereo, how often you should change your oil, details on your vehicle's safety features, where to find your spare tire, or if your vehicle has a spare tire, remains locked away in the glove box. But friends, because I am a civic-minded, proactive, stand-up kind of guy, I want to change that. So I've declared April, Read Your Owner's Manual Month. Over the next four weeks, I will be giving you compelling reasons to read your owner's manual, or at least the quick start guide that explains what that switch on your dashboard does. Reading your owner's manual will help you discover all the great things your car can do. How to use those features you paid for, why premium gas is probably a waste of money, and how to know when someone is trying to sell you service or maintenance you don't need. We'll be highlighting those and other benefits you can derive simply by reading the instructions that came with your vehicle. That's here on Cars, Trucks, and Bucks throughout the month of April. Read your owner's manual month. And that is this week's auto news you might be able to use. If it seems like every time you filled your tank lately, you had to dig deeper into your pocket to pay for it, you probably aren't imagining things. Gas prices have been on a steady climb since early February. GasBuddy.com, a website that tracks gas prices nationally and by state, city, and zip code, says the national average for regular unleaded has climbed from 3.26 per gallon on February 6th to 3.52 per gallon today, a 26 cent increase. What's behind that increase? When will it end? And what can we expect to pay at the pump later this year? We turn to Patrick DeHaan, a senior petroleum analyst for GasBuddy.com, for answers to those questions. I spoke with Patrick by phone earlier this week, and here is a recording of that conversation. We're talking with Patrick DeHaan of GasBuddy.com, which is a website that has prices gas prices from around the country. Patrick, tell us a little bit about GasBuddy.com, how you gather those prices and the other information on your site. Well, Rick, GasBuddy's been around now since the year 2000. We've been tracking gas prices for uh, about 14 years now. Uh, we gather prices from volunteers who report them to us via the Internet or our free smartphone app. So anybody really can sign up to report prices to us. It's kind of like crowdsourcing for gas prices in that we rely on people all around the country uh, who could just be any driver who sign up and report to us prices in their neck of the woods. And, of course, when you aggregate all these prices in one easy-to-read format, we're able to save you many. Uh, we're able to save folks uh, a lot of money based on all of those different price reports. We can help people find gasoline at a cheaper price. Any idea how many volunteers you have feeding you these prices? Well, uh, it depends on, on any given day, uh, but we have 35 million app downloads. We have about 20 million registered uh, members. Holy cow. That's a sizable oh. number of people. Wow. It's quite the army of motorists, and all of them are, are volunteer price spotters. Some of them have been with us for 10 years, some of us a year. Some of them have been with us for just a week or two. Hmm. But uh, we appreciate each and every one of them, of course. Right. Now, now, gas prices have been rising fairly steadily, I'd say, since early February. Is this typical this time of year, and, and what are the causes of that? Well, you know, it really is typical that prices start to rise as we approach the end of the winter. The causes for that are generally the very similar every year. The first main causes, uh, the first two causes that are, you know, kind of leading to prices going up every spring. First, you have refinery maintenance in which refineries shut down part of their facility and 
replace equipment, do maintenance work, make sure everything is in good working order so that when demand goes up in the summertime, they will be able to meet that demand and their plants will be reliable. And what that does is it cuts into their production of gasoline currently uh, because they're you know undergoing that maintenance work. And with lower production, it does tend to put upward pressure on prices. And then the second reason why is that every time we start the refinery maintenance that we begin transitioning to cleaner burning summer gasoline. It's not something that is just a light switch. It is something that's phased in uh, between, I would say, well, January through about May. We continue to step closer to the ultimate destination of, the, you know, clean version burning gasoline, but there's about four or five steps in which, each, which with each of those steps, prices tend to go up a few cents per gallon as those gasolines tend to be a bit more expensive the cleaner you get. Now, these, these summer blends, are they typically found in major metropolitan areas or places like Southern California that have stricter emission rules? Well, there are so many different laws and regulations depending on where you are, but everybody across the country burns something cleaner in the summer. Ah. Some areas burn something that is ultra clean. Your major metro areas tend to consume in the summer months among the cleanest versions of gasoline, whereas areas outside of that, say downstate Illinois and more rural areas, they too are using something cleaner burning, but it's not quite the same specification as what's in a big city. That's just because there's obviously millions of cars in the big cities. Uh, and so with those millions of cars, you want them to fill up with something that's very clean burning so it doesn't lead to all these ozone action days. But generally, there are many different types of summer gasoline. There's about 15 in use across the country. Uh, certainly, California, with its stringent air requirements, does burn something that's different in the city. Uh, in many cities, I should say. What, what we have in Chicago is used in northwest Indiana, the major metro Chicago area, all the way up to Milwaukee, and that's called reformulated gasoline. The rest of the state also burns cleaner gasoline, uh, but not to get too specific, but basically everybody is filling up with something that's slightly different in the warmer months than we do in the cooler months. Is that because there is more evaporative uh, evaporation from gasoline or what? That's generally one of the problems is that with winter gasoline, uh, it evaporates easier, but thanks to the cooler temperatures, it's not as much of a concern. The volatility of gasoline at higher temperatures is the problem here. Butane evaporates easily when it gets very warm out, and that contributes uh, to pollution. And so when we roll in summer gasoline, we're basically scaling back the amount of butane that is in gasoline. And summer gasoline contains far less butane than winter gasoline. The problem is that butane is very cheap, which is why winter gasoline is generally cheaper than summer gasoline. Summer gasoline butane comes out and more expensive, cleaner burning components are blended in. Okay, so so the price of gas goes up in the spring and summer, not just because we're driving more and there's more demand. That's right. It, it goes up for not only those reasons that there's more demand, but mostly because of refinery maintenance and more expensive summer gasoline. Those are the two factors that really lead the way. How much do uh, oil price fluctuations affect the price of pump gas? Well, oil price fluctuations would really have to be over $5 a barrel uh, for us to really notice. Um, you know, a barrel of oil is 42 gallons, and when you divide, you know, a dollar by 42 gallons, you're not noticing much uh. of a difference. But when prices uh, of oil, you know, change maybe 2 to $3, or let's say oil prices went up $10 a barrel over the next two weeks, we'd probably notice gasoline prices would jump anywhere from 10 to 20 cents a gallon. So it really depends on the time of year. Uh, oil prices can have a direct impact on gas prices, but they also can move in the opposite direction because we have to take that oil and obviously run it through a refinery. And if there's a refinery problem, the price of oil could remain steady and the price of gas goes up because we are limited sometimes in our ability to refine that oil into gasoline. That was Patrick DeHaan of GasBuddy.com. We have to pause here for a short break, but stay tuned. 
When we come back, we'll continue our discussion of gas prices with Patrick. Now, more cars, trucks, and bucks on TalkZone.com with your host, Rick Popley. Welcome back, everyone. We are talking about gas prices today, why they go up, when they could come down, and what's behind those price changes. My first guest today is Patrick DeHaan, Senior Petroleum Analyst for GasBuddy.com. At GasBuddy, you can check prices in your neighborhood. I spoke with Patrick by phone earlier this week, and we will now return to that taped interview. We are talking with Patrick DeHaan, a Senior Petroleum Analyst with GasBuddy.com, about the price of gas and what causes the price to rise and fall. Now, um, most people around the country use gas that contains probably up to 10% ethanol. And um, I noticed that on your website, GasBuddy.com, that you do weekly surveys of your users, and you get some huge responses. You, get, you often get more than 20,000 responses to a question, which, you know, uh, compared to most surveys done of consumers, that's enormous. Uh, but one of the things that you've asked about or, uh, recently, you did it twice, is you ask people, um, what uh, what about E10, 10% ethanol? Do you think it's good for your car? And then later you asked, what about 15% ethanol, E15? Both times, an overwhelming majority said, no, they don't want ethanol. What's wrong with ethanol, or what, what makes people so uh, f- afraid of it? Well, you know, from my dealings with a lot of our users, we find that uh, a lot of motorists across the country are a little bit apprehensive about ethanol. Uh, I think uh, back to the days when ethanol started to be blended into gasoline, even the 80s and 90s, when uh, vehicles were starting to develop problems that weren't built for the 10% concentration of ethanol, and, and they, were have de- they would have deterioration of some of their parts. Mm-hmm. Uh, cars nowadays are certainly built differently, but folks Folks are still apprehensive, and it's well documented that ethanol, uh, a gallon of ethanol, does not net the same fuel efficiency that a gallon of gasoline does. So right, roughly 25. That are a little upset. Yeah, I'm sorry. Is it roughly 25 to 30 percent less energy? That's what we have seen in several studies that have looked into that, is that E85, or excuse me, a gallon of ethanol, does net about 25% fewer BTUs than a gallon of gas. Okay. and But, but uh, you're saying that it's, for today's vehicles, at least E10 should be safe to use. That's right. In most of your cars, uh, most of major manufactured cars, uh, E10 is the fuel now that they're testing on. E10 has been around, and, you know, it, it's becoming the new standard, essentially, in, in regular gasoline. Right. Uh, and and, uh, and when you ask your users, is, uh, is uh, E10 a good idea, 65% said no. So, yeah, as you say, there is still a lot of uh, apprehension uh, about it. Does, does ethanol raise, uh, increase the uh, price of gas at the pump? Well, generally, ethanol actually causes prices to go down. Hmm. Typically, uh, in the past few months, ethanol has been anywhere from 30 to 50 cents a gallon lower than the price of gasoline. So usually, blending gasoline, or excuse me, blending ethanol with gasoline will result in the price going down, say, 5 to 10 cents a gallon. However, right now, and, you know, scattered throughout the last couple of years, there are times when ethanol actually results in putting upward pressure on prices, such as the case currently, ethanol at the wholesale levels trading at about a three dollars and forty cents a gallon which conventional gasoline is about 70 cents a gallon lower so right now blending ethanol with gasoline is causing the price of gasoline to go up but most of the times ethanol uh is the opposite it it pulls down the price of gasoline okay as as we i asked you earlier you know about the price of gas rising uh at some point during the summer or fall do gas prices level off and start to fall yes uh over the past few years prices have peaked in the month of april or may 
that's when we see all the refinery glitches. I believe last year prices across the state of Illinois did peak in the month. I think it was early June last year. But what we tend to see is that then prices after peaking sometime in April or May, they tend to go down for the month of June. And that's just because all that refinery maintenance behind it is behind us. The, the switch over to summer gas is behind us. Uh, and things start to, supply starts to increase. Uh, generally, summer still remains relatively high compared to the other times of year. Prices then kind of hold steady for much of July. But then hurricane season can become a problem, and prices can go up or down in August and September quite significantly. And then prices after the summer driving season tend to go down significantly. That's just because demand drops, and then we switch back to cheaper winter gasoline. So mid-September into October, November, prices generally fall. Well, this uh, this sounds like a seasonal cycle uh, not unlike the regular seasons, fall, winter, spring, and summer. You know? <laughs> it really is. You know, uh, gas prices, you spring your clock ahead forward in the spring. You know, gas prices tend to do the same. They fall in the fall and they spring in the spring. <laughs> okay, that's, that's a good way to remember it then. Um, oh. you, you attract, I would think that uh, most of your users are price-conscious drivers. That's why they're going to Gas Buddy. Dot com. Uh, besides gas prices, how else do you help motorists uh, save money? Well, we talk about where gas prices are going and what motorists can expect, which is what we're doing right now. We're kind of giving forecasts out. If folks would follow our Gas Buddy blog, they'd know exactly what's going to be coming up in the next days or weeks. So we try to let motorists know in advance when gas prices are going up to try and save them or so they can budget smarter. We also have gas-saving tips. Uh, we have a great tool called the Trip Cost Calculator that if you're taking a long trip, say, cross-country on vacation, it will actually fuel your entire trip using the cheapest gas stations along your route, and that can certainly save you 20 to $40 just over the course of a few days if you're taking a big trip. So the trip cost calculator, we have all sorts of great tips on the website that help people remember what kind of uh, tips actually do result in fuel savings. So not only do we tell people where gas is cheap, we let them know what we expect at the pump in the days and weeks ahead with forecasts. We also have a lot of cool tools that will help people route to their destination the cheapest way possible. And uh, earlier, I believe you mentioned a, uh, a mobile app. What does, what does that do? Yeah, you know, we have a free smartphone app that's been around for about three years now for iPhone, Android, BlackBerry, and Windows phones that can be downloaded. The app, once downloaded, will basically use your GPS to find the cheapest stations near you. Actually, it will find all the stations near you, and then you can find the cheapest of them, and you can basically save anywhere from 10 to maybe even 30 cents a gallon sometimes mm -hmm. by shopping around. I know here in Chicago that my local gas station is three ninety-four dollars a gallon today, sometimes that is 30 cents lower than nearby stations, and so uh, that can happen basically in any city. It's just the easiest way uh, to know exactly for what you want to pay for gas, just kind of like shopping around before you buy an electronic or accessory. You go online and comparatively shop. That's what our app does with gas prices. I say, and just, uh, you know, from my personal experience, I live in the northwest suburbs of, of Chicago, and within... Oh, I'd say uh, five miles of my house. There are three mobile stations on the same road, and the price as you go south goes up. It goes up about a dime at the first station, uh, and maybe 20 to 25 cents by the time you get to the third station. And it, yeah, that's, you know, that's closest to a major expressway, you know. Yeah, you know, we see a lot of that, and that's exactly when you're in a big area like Chicago, in the suburbs, sometimes prices between downtown Chicago and the suburbs can be 60 cents a gallon cheaper. So if you're somebody that's traveling through the area or if you're going through another major city, uh, the app will show you exactly using the map. You can see where gas is cheap. And did you know just by going across the Missouri state line, the price of gasoline drops about 30 cents a gallon. So it will show you that, too. Now, uh, which is a good point, that uh, the state and local taxes on gasoline vary widely. And I know that Illinois 
is one of the um, uh, has some of the highest gas taxes, state taxes in the country. Uh, others are California, Connecticut, New York, and uh, Missouri is must be much lower than Illinois. Yeah, it really is. Sometimes it can be uh, about 20 cents per gallon lower. So crossing that state line can net you a significant savings. For example, today, the Illinois statewide average, uh, as it stands here at this moment, is about 375 a gallon. In Missouri, it's just 338. So there's a huge oh, wow. difference between states. So, so if you live in the St. Louis area, it might be worth your while to go across the river. <laughs> If you live in East St. Louis, yes, but if you live in Missouri, it's certainly better to stay in Missouri and avoid going to Illinois. Right. We're talking with Patrick DeHaan, a senior petroleum analyst with GasBuddy.com. Now, one way to save money, something that I do a lot, is to fill at the cheapest station, which is often, and not always, but often an off-brand, not one of the major brands. There's also a group of um, gasoline brands that call themselves top-tier brands because they claim to use more additives in their gasoline that they say makes it better. Any truth to that, or are you just spending more money to buy a specific brand? Well, a lot of that is marketing hype. You know, some of the major brands say their premium has special additives, whether it be nitrogen, uh, but a lot of that is really marketing. The federal government does have minimum standards for how much detergent is added to gasoline, and that detergent over the course of time keeps your engine clean. Now, some types of gasoline, some brands, will add more than the minimum requirement for detergent, while the unbranded gasoline may contain whatever the minimum is, which is, you know, still federally accepted. So there can be differences. Are there, you know, is it worth it to spend 10 or 20 cents more per gallon? Well, if it was me, I probably wouldn't, knowing that all gasoline has detergent in it. But that's up to each motorist to make that distinction or make that choice. Uh, but many times, you know, that, that that gasoline at the independent station can even come from the same refinery that that branded gasoline is coming from. So that's certainly something to think of as well. Okay, now uh, just uh, one other thing along those lines. Is it also true that, let's say, one of the top-tier brands such as uh, BP or Mobil, Exxon, Exxon Mobil, Shell, you know, those uh, companies, if they have a truck that uh, uh, has a small amount of gas left, going around, is it possible they could sell it to an off-brand station and so that high-detergent gas ends up in an off-brand? Likely not. Uh, Uh There's a lot of contracts that are involved. Generally, the smaller stations, the independents, will hire a third party to deliver a specific load of gasoline. Uh, But that's generally done, and there's generally nothing left in the tank. That is, a station will buy 5,000 gallons and have 5,000 delivered. There's not a whole lot of mixing that would go on between stations. Okay. All right. Uh, Last question. Uh, How high will gas prices Go this year. Will they reach uh, what they did last year? Uh, Very unlikely. And the reason for that is that here in the Great Lakes, the largest refinery in the region, which is BP's refinery in Whiting, had been undergoing for the last eight years an extensive refinery modernization, basically upgrades, improvements uh, to expand. That construction is finally done. And so this is really the first springtime in the last eight years or so that that facility hasn't been under the knife. So that should help limit how high prices go this spring. I don't expect record prices. In fact, this summer may feature the lowest average price that we've seen in three years just because of all these factors, especially here in the Midwest with that refinery being online with rising domestic crude oil production. There's just a whole lot going on this year. We have lighter than normal maintenance. Sure, refineries are still doing maintenance, but not as much as they did last year. Last year, prices spiked to well over $4 in Illinois. Not expecting that this year. So, you know, there's a lot of light at the end of the tunnel. We're not expecting any record prices this year. Well, that's good news. 
Patrick DeHaan, Senior Petroleum Analyst for GasBuddy.com, has been telling us about current prices and what we can expect in the future. Patrick, thank you much for being with us today. Thanks for having me, Rick. That was an interview recorded earlier this week with Patrick DeHaan of GasBuddy.com. Last year, the national average for regular unleaded peaked at 374 per gallon, and as he said, it won't go that high again this year. We have to take another break, and when we come back, we will be joined live on the phone by Bob Weber, a master automobile technician who will advise you on how to, you can improve your fuel economy and save money on gas. Now, more cars, trucks, and bucks on TalkZone.com with your host, Rick Popley. Welcome back, everyone. We have been talking about gas prices today and how to save money at the pump. We will shift gears now and talk about what you can do to reduce the amount of gas you use. We are joined on the phone from the Washington, D.C. area by Bob Weber. Bob is certified as a master technician by the Automotive Service Excellence Organization, and he formerly worked as a mechanic and a repair shop manager. Bob is now an automotive journalist and has written for a number of technical and consumer publications. Bob Weber also writes the Motor Mouth Advice column that appears in the Chicago Tribune and other newspapers. Welcome to the show, Bob. Hey, Rick. Thanks for having me. Good, uh, good to have you here, Bob. And, uh, you know, we were talking, I was talking with Patrick DeHaan of GasBuddy.com about how there can be pretty wide fluctuations in pump prices in a given area. And, uh, I, I, you're in the Washington DC area, but in actually the district itself, prices are much higher than when, where you are out in Virginia. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. That's pretty, pretty uh, typical though. You know, the metro, uh, downtown areas, uh, being higher than the uh, suburban, uh, suburban stations. Right. We can't control the price of gas, but what can we do to control how much gas we use? Is it is it more likely that you'll have greater impact from proper vehicle maintenance or the way we drive? Actually, Rick, the, uh, the way we drive probably has the most uh, uh, impact on uh, fuel economy. Um, Virginia borders uh, Maryland, and when you come into uh, Maryland from uh, outside of the state, uh, the welcome signs on the highways all say, uh, welcome to Maryland, of course. And then at the bottom it says, please drive gently. <laughs> I've <laughs> never seen that one. <laughs> I think it's the best advice in the world. <laughs> uh, yeah, if, if we just drive gently, uh, we would save a lot of fuel. Um, I don't know uh, what's going on recently. Maybe people are in such a, a hurry to, uh, they're multitasking, doing so many things and not having enough time to do it. But I've never seen so many people... Uh, Rushing to stop signs and red lights, and then jamming the brakes. Oh. In fact, sometimes I'm uh, I'm surprised they're they're not running the stop sign. I, I it, it scares me. The stoplight Grand Prix. Uh, yeah, really, really. <laughs> <laughs> More like a drag race, you know. Uh, and that's the other thing. Um, you know, you, there's so many people that uh, uh, that, that just uh, just run from light to light at full throttle. They, you know, as soon as the light turns green, they jump on it. Uh, only to have another red light uh, or another light turn red in front of them and uh, having to jam on the brakes. Now, I don't know about you, but uh, I, I've turned from an A-type personality to an A-minus. <laughs> and well, <laughs> yeah, yeah, my wife would probably call me a, you know, a C, right. but that's different. Uh, 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 no I, I... longer do I, do I you know, uh, uh, race from light to light uh, and... Uh, I find myself just, you know, pretty much pulling up behind the guy that uh, I was next to with the previous light. Right. I've I've always been frustrated by that. I think I've just broken away from the pack, and then I, everybody catches up to me at the next uh, at the next red light. So I go, well, you know, maybe I maybe I should ease off the gas a little. But you know, there's there, there's no longer any such thing as a tune-up. Uh, but no, no. Is there any cost-effective maintenance that a vehicle owner can have done professionally or even do themselves that would save them a little gas? Well, everybody's looking for uh, a magic bullet, and there really aren't any. Um, every time gas prices spike, uh, new devices start being advertised. Uh, um, 
whether it's the turbo and tabulator with uh, patented giggle valves, you know, it's it, <laughs> it just, they just don't work. And uh, order now, and we'll send you not one but two. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> but wait. <laughs> And, and, and in fact, the uh, 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 EPA uh, maintains a, a, a list of actual devices and chemicals that, that work on their website, and you can you can go to uh, uh, the EPA site and find some of the things that they've approved. Other than that, most of them are just junk. And uh, what, what are some of the things they've uh, said actually work? Uh, you know what, Rick? I wish I could pinpoint one for you right now, but I uh, I can't come up with one that's 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 going to work, uh, or that I can think of, you know, by name. Okay, but are are there any? Is there anything that you're aware of that you can just pour in your gas tank or um, uh, in your crankcase, your engine oil that helps your car? Here again, you know, most of that stuff's just weasel piss. Um, <laughs> now, is that a brand name? <laughs> uh, yes. <laughs> no, but it should be. <laughs> okay. Uh, I mean, no. I, they do what are they uh, uh fuel injector cleaners or gas line cleaners what do they do yeah pretty much the uh, the, the the key is keeping the fuel injectors clean and mm-hmm. keeping the valves clean um uh, there's there's two things that happen let me let me uh, get going or talk about the fuel injectors first okay uh, like anything else they can eventually get a little gum and varnish build up on them and unless their spray pattern is perfect the uh, the gasoline doesn't burn efficiently in the uh, in the cylinder, so some of that gasoline actually goes out the uh, exhaust and into the catalytic converter where it's finished off. Um, so we want to keep the fuel injectors clean. Ultimately, if they get very dirty, they may uh, they may not even spray at all. They may dribble, mm. and in some really severe cases, uh, uh, we've seen people that turn off their car. And it doesn't want to restart because it's flooded. Now that's an old problem we used to have for carbureted cars, but with a with bad fuel injectors dribbling gasoline into the manifold mm. uh, while the engine's off, it it makes hard starting. Now, if if your fuel injector is a little bit gummed up, should you notice this, or how would you notice it, other than what you just described? Fuel economy is the only way to. Uh, uh-huh. Well, it's one of the best ways to tell whether you know you're getting what you what you should from your fuel injectors. Another one is uh, just to listen. If you got a nice clicking noise under the hood, mm-hmm. if you got a nice solid click, and not a mushy kind of you know snap, uh, you're pretty sure that your fuel injectors are working well. Okay. But let's go move on to the valves. That's that's a major problem. That's where uh, the EPA first mandated um, uh, fuel additives, uh, detergents in the fuels. Uh, what happens is the, the the intake valves get hot, and Gasoline is bathing the back of that valve on its way into the cylinder. And as that gasoline hits that hot valve, it turns to a, uh, a, a it cokes and turns into a spongy kind of porous uh, hmm. uh, porosity you know, kind of product. I don't know what, what you call it. But then during cold starts, uh, the, the engine is not getting the enrichment, the, the gas that it needs. It needs a lot more when it's cold. And uh, it starts, it stumbles, it uh, it runs rough until uh, it, it comes up to operating temperature. So uh, good fuel additives um, are essential to keeping those valves clean. And you can you can add it to your gasoline, uh, an occasional uh, bottle of uh, a fuel system conditioner cleaner mm-hmm. uh, is not a bad idea, especially if you don't use a, a good um, gasoline. Okay, so so uh, on that subject, uh, we, you know, I brought this up with uh, Patrick DeHaan earlier, but there's that top tier, those top tier brands of gasoline, mm-hmm. such as uh, BP, uh, Exxon Mobil, Shell, and there are others that claim to use more detergent additives that will keep your valves clean. True? Mm-hmm. Is it true? That is absolutely true. Uh, what happened is uh, uh, several years ago. Uh, uh, BMW was getting a lot of complaints about uh, poor engine performance and mm-hmm. and uh, uh, rough engines, and uh, they started to investigate. Found out that the the, the valve coking the uh, uh, was was 
causing most of the problems. Mm-hmm. So, so their they, BMW owners were using cheap gas? No, no, I wouldn't <laughs> say that they were doing that, but that uh, they might have been. Yeah, <laughs> I don't know what they were using, but yeah, you know, maybe they spent so much on the car that they had to buy cheap gas. <laughs> But uh, anyhow, they, uh, BMW, along with some other uh, car manufacturers, uh, decided to uh, 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 kind of urge the oil companies to come up with a, a better level of gasoline. And uh, some, several of the oil companies joined forces, and, uh, and they de- developed this uh, program called Top Tier. Mm-hmm. Now, that was really a, a popular uh, issue a few years back, and it, Top tier still exists, but you just don't hear much about it. Nobody talks too much about it or, or touts it, although the, the companies and the car makers, the oil companies and the car makers, are still uh, providing top tier gasolines. So, yes, it's worthwhile. In fact, BMW initially um, suggested the car owners add a can of uh, or bottle of Tecron uh, fuel system cleaner to their tanks. Tecron, I've heard of that. Yeah, it's, it's, it was developed by uh, Chevron. Okay. And, uh, uh, it's a uh, proprietary formula. It's really good stuff. Right. Doesn't uh, Ford have some kind of a relationship with one of the major oil companies, maybe BP or ExxonMobil? They say, we like your gas. Something like that. I, I think Ford does that. But well, what if you're a cheapskate like me, though, and that you buy the cheapest you can find? Well, yeah, uh, to keep things, keep everything happy, uh, throw a can of uh, okay. or a bottle of uh, fuel system treatment in there. Okay, so but but you should notice something, some difference eventually if you're having problems caused by bad gas or something like that. Again, it's it's if you have stumbling, poor uh, drivability in the morning, that would be a, an indication. But more often than not, it's just a subtle, slow drop in your fuel economy. Okay, it's like and most of us really don't pay that close of attention to our fuel economy unless we have the uh, the driver information center that's reporting our our average. Right. Mileage. Right. Okay. Well, we can uh, we can talk a little bit more of that about that on the other side of a break. We have to pause here for one more time, and when we come back, we'll continue our discussion with Bob Weber about how you can reduce the amount of gas you use by the way you drive and what you put in your vehicle. This is Cars, Trucks, and Bucks on TalkZone.com. Back to Rick Popley. Welcome back, everyone. My guest is Bob Weber. Bob is an ASE certified master automobile technician and an automotive journalist who writes for both technical and consumer audiences. He also writes the Motormouth Automotive Advice column that appears in the Chicago Tribune and other newspapers. If you have a question or comment for Bob, call us at 888-463-6748. Again, that is 888-463-6748. Bob, before the break, you mentioned that one of the ways that you can tell if uh, maybe the gas you're using is causing a problem in your engine is to monitor your fuel economy on an ongoing basis. That is probably something that uh, a lot of people don't do, isn't it? Yeah, I think most of us just, you know, uh, hop in the car, put the key in, uh, and uh, drive away. Uh, and as long as we're not uh, uh, seeing our, you know, Phillips costing us $10 more each time, we just really don't pay that much attention to it. And uh, the, unless you have, like I said, the driver information center, and they're pretty darn accurate, believe Right, me. a trip computer of some kind. Yeah, the trip yeah. computer, the you know, the, uh, the instant fuel economy, the average fuel economy. And... Uh, I would advise that after service, you uh, you reset your uh, driver information center and see if your average fuel economy has uh, has actually improved. It probably will. And things like new spark plugs and air filter, uh, using the right oil, uh, all these can can improve your mileage somewhat. Hmm. Now, now with spark plugs, uh, unless you're a do-it-yourselfer, and frankly, I. I would rather not change my own spark plugs because I'm afraid I'd damage the aluminum cylinder head mm. on my engine, which can be a real expensive, uh, you know, replacement. But um, that, the spark plugs used to be something that you did once a year, if not more often. 
but now they say 100,000 miles. Yeah, actually, uh, they, they can easily go 100,000 miles because of the exotic uh, metals that are used in the uh, electrodes. Mm-hmm. They used to uh, uh, be uh, very simple, soft uh, metals and would wear down uh, after you know, 10, 12,000 miles you had to replace the spark plug. The gap would increase, mm-hmm. and as the gap increased, uh, it had a harder time igniting the fuel. But with uh, uh, modern uh, uh, platinum tip and iridium tips and everything, they can easily go 100,000 miles. But I wouldn't push it. Um, you wouldn't just, you know, let it go forever. You mean? No, I wouldn't. I wouldn't. No, I wouldn't even. Uh, hundred thousand miles is fine, and the car mm-hmm. makers want you to be happy with their cars, and they're not going to give you advice that you know that this is bad. But I would probably replace the plugs a little bit sooner than that. Okay. What if I were proactive and had my you know uh, spark plugs replaced, maybe an air filter? What could I expect to see in a fuel economy improvement? A uh, couple of percent. Oh, <laughs> really? It's not going to make a whole big difference. Okay. Uh, an air filter, uh, if you put a fresh air filter in, uh, you're going to find it's, it accelerates a little bit better than it did. Okay. And according to some sources, they say that uh, a new clean air filter will not improve your fuel economy. Um, EPA, EPA says that, I know. Well, yeah, they do, yes. <laughs> I didn't want to... <laughs> Didn't want to tarnish their uh, reputation. <clears throat> oh, it's reputation. bad enough. It's bad enough already. Don't worry about that. <laughs> <laughs> but in, in my opinion, you know, if you've got a restricted air filter, mm-hmm. especially a, a severely restricted air filter, you're going to your engine is going to suffer some pumping losses trying to overcome and draw that air in. It's real technical. It's probably too far out there to talk about. Right now. It sounds like a smoker trying to run. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's yeah, right. Pretty much, pretty good analogy. Really. <laughs> That's right. Okay, but um, uh, so you're saying you get a small improvement uh, out of, say, replacing spark plugs um, and an air filter. Just anything else? Uh, anything else you might try to uh, improve your fuel economy, or does it go back to um, changing the uh, weight of your right foot on on the gas pedal? Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, get rid of the anvil collection. Take that out of the truck. Uh, <laughs> don't carry around sandbags in the, in the winter? <laughs> Not necessarily. And uh, if you're a skier, you know, that rack looks real cute up there, you know, and you're bragging. But, you know, take it down when the snow stops falling. Um, and keep your tires inflated properly. Ah, there you go. Um, with every 10-degree drop in temperature, mm-hmm. the tire pressure drops one PSI. So you know when, when the when the temperature plummets, your your tires are, are going to have a harder time rolling, and um, it it helps to keep them aired up properly. Not only does it help your fuel economy, but it helps tire life. Uh, when the mm-hmm. tires are low, they build up heat, and heat breaks down the rubber, and the rubber starts to uh, wear. What is it? Inflated uh, helps two ways. I'm sorry. When when uh, a tire is underinflated, it just has more friction with the road, or mm-hmm. well, it has okay. more friction with itself too. It flexes and bends, and 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 there's a lot of internal friction in the uh, sidewall and uh, tread area. So you may get a more comfortable ride, but you're paying for it at yeah. the pump. Yeah. In other words, so keep the keep your tires inflated, which is a lot easier now that we have tire pressure monitors in our vehicles. But right. another another interesting thing about tires. Is as they wear, they their traction improves. Their traction actually improves as they wear. Huh. Uh, that's why uh, drag racers run slicks. There's more contact with the road surface. So just one of those you know, interesting asides. So your fuel uh, economy should what go down? It, it it may it may actually improve a little bit as the tire wears oh. a little, because it, you know the tire flexes or wiggles a little bit less mm-hmm. and. Uh, and runs a little truer. So. Well, it's probably smoother, right? Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. All right. So there you go. R- run on bald tires, and you'll get better fuel. <laughs> no, I didn't say that. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Now, um, racing. There, there are still some, in, in, in addition to people who insist on buying a certain brand of gasoline, there are others who, even though the manufacturer of their vehicle says, you know, you can run regular gas and do just fine, uh, they will buy either premium gas or mid-grade gas, thinking they're getting something better uh, for their engine for that extra money. True or false? 
it's not true or false. It's gray. Ah. Um, okay. The, the higher uh, the premium fuels are often the ones that contain a little bit better dose of additives. I see. So that can be a benefit. As well as higher octane, but the octane may not matter. The octane really doesn't matter. Okay. Right. Um, if your car is designed to run on regular gas, you're wasting money at the pump by buying a higher octane fuel. Okay. In fact, if your uh, if your owner's manual or the little uh, decal by your gas cap says uh, premium preferred. Mm-hmm. Doesn't mean you have to run premium. It's only preferred for better performance. Right. If you're not out there uh, uh, racing your Corvette, you can you can run regular gas. But there might be some benefit uh, from the additional additives in a premium blend. It's, some of the some of the marketers, yeah, uh, will put the best package in their premium blends. But you know, when we're talking you know thirty forty cents a gallon difference, and we're looking to save a few bucks, it's kind of a false economy. Ah. Now now when um we were talking earlier about, you know, replacing spark plugs and air filters. And even, you know, in addition, when those things uh, become old or worn, and even if you use lower-grade gas, don't the engine computers compensate for all these things in a car? Absolutely. Absolutely. They, uh, they, they want to run your engine at the most efficient uh, level possible, the most efficient level for the converter so so they can adjust the engine timing and spark and all that other stuff right and and unless you're really paying attention you may not notice that your spark plugs need replacing or your air filters or your oxygen sensor ah okay now our uh here we are coming into summer weather and as uh patrick dehan explained earlier in the show we're all going to be running summer gas pretty Mm -hmm. soon do you know, does that have any impact on your fuel economy? It should improve it. Why is yes. that? Uh, winter gasoline is blended uh, with a lot of, uh, uh, a lot more high volatile uh, uh, chemicals. Mm-hmm. It needs uh, to be able to uh, uh, evaporate quicker due to the temperature. Okay. Uh, there's more benzene and a, you know, any number of other uh, uh, Things that they blend. Butane, the I think, is one he cited. Butane. Another one is butane. Yeah. 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 Uh, and so, winter gasoline um, does not get as good a fuel economy as the as summer gasoline. Okay. Which brings us to uh, an interesting issue right now, as we're transitioning soon. Um, people's cars begin misbehaving around April or May. Oh, they do. Um, yes. <laughs> Often because they are running winter gasoline, and the temperature has has suddenly gotten warm. Ah, or the station they're buying from hasn't uh, had their uh, uh, drop of summer blended gasoline and still pumping the winter blend, and uh, that causes stumbling and hesitation and stalling. I so, see. So uh, it it's just be patient and things will sort themselves out eventually. Many times, yeah. Don't okay. panic if that happens. All right. So fill up your tank with a you know uh, at a busy station that might have their summer fuel. Okay. And it might go away. Bob Weber, thank you much for being on the show and sharing your expertise on uh, how to get better gas mileage. You're quite welcome. Anytime, Rick. All right. Take care. Good day. That was Bob Weber, a certified automotive technician and journalist who writes the Motor Mouth advice column for the Chicago Tribune and other newspapers. Our time is just about up for this week. Next week, we will be talking with David Teeter of the National Safety Council about distracted driving and what can be done to get people's attention back on driving. Until then, please visit my website, carstrucksandbucks.com, for news updates, vehicle reviews, and information about upcoming shows. And don't forget, April is Read Your Owner's Manual Month, so be prepared. There might be a pop quiz next week. Thanks again to today's guests, Patrick DeHaan of GasBuddy.com and automotive journalist Bob Weber. And thanks to you for listening. This is Rick Popley saying, be careful out there and watch out for the other guy. So long, everyone.